Welcome back to another episode of the Three Rings Podcast. My name is Neil Sinha, joined alongside with Vinayak Saroop and Aiden Mulkrone. We got a very special episode going on today as we are doing an NBA mock draft. So obviously the draft, the NBA draft, will be going on this Thursday at 8 p.m. And so we thought we'd do a little special episode where each of us acts as one of the teams in the lottery and takes the picks, maybe trades the pick. And so, you know, maybe just to give a little bit of an insight on what the teams are going to do. We've we've seen a lot of reports, and I think we all have a pretty good idea of, you know, maybe what some of these teams will do. Um, but it is important to note that we will be making these picks based off what we would do if we were the general managers of whatever teams we're going as. So, as usual, before we get into the episode... Make sure to check us out on our social media accounts, on TikTok, on YouTube, on Instagram, on Twitter, everything. Follow us there, DM us for any new content you want to see, any questions you have for us to answer, and so on. We really appreciate all the support, but we're always trying to grow this. And so the other thing I'll say is make sure to show this to another Pistons fan or NBA fan in general. And so last thing before we get into this episode, I just want to give a quick shout out to the WCBN radio station here in Ann Arbor. Um, thank you for letting us use the station as obviously you can already tell the quality is a lot better this episode. So <clears throat> let's get into it, boys. With the first overall pick of the 2022 NBA Three Rings mock draft, Vinay will be acting as the Orlando Magic. Vinay, what's your pick? <laughs> With the first pick in the 2022 NBA draft, the Orlando Magic will select Paulo Banquero. Wow. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the 2013 reaction with Anthony Bennett. <laughs> no, I just I just think, like, again, this is what we would do. So I just think out of the three players, I just think Paulo has the most, I would say, upside. I just really buy his um, his creation game, his game in the offense, the way he can play, make for others. Um, he showed a lot of flashes with the mid-range game, which I thought was impressive. I think the three-point shot is something that he's going to need to work on, but you can't just, you can't teach that size, you know, 6'10", 250 pounds of mean, lean. <laughs> mean I don't know lean, if he's lean. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, you can't teach, you can't teach that. And I feel like just the upside and the potential to carry an offense, I think that kind of outweighs the other players for me. Like there's no disrespect to Chet or Jabari, but I just, when I look at this draft and I look at players who I think could be like a number one option, I just don't. I don't think Chet is the guy. I think he could be a great second and perhaps like a defensive like game set or whatever. Same with Jabari, a second player. But I think Paolo out of the three have, has the best chance to become one. And Orlando, just for their team fit, Orlando needs kind of a go-to guy. They don't... Franz Wagner is like... He's solid, but like he's not going to be your number one option. And you got something to say? You, you talk about the size and then you look at Orlando's roster and their size is... Their, their whole team is made up of Paulo Bancaros in terms of size, like they're I, all six ten. But I did, Jonathan Isaac, like all you, all those guys, they drafted dude, like Aaron. Hey, but Jonathan Gordon Isaac has his own book now. Like he's not an NBA player. Franz, <laughs> all they do is draft six ten. Like, I mean, their guys. options were like a seven foot and another six ten dude. So I mean, it's. Like, I mean, yeah, fair. I just feel like none, but none of those dudes can like create like that. I just I don't like Jalen Suggs was an all right pick. I mean, we'll see how it goes. Um, I would. I know people want to see the Chet and Jalen, you know, from Minnesota, but I just feel like if out of these top three in this uh, tier, although I don't want to really use the tier size, but if we're going to call it this top three draft, I think the best pick for me would be Paolo, number one. And 
I think I will say this, like perhaps the Magic don't go number one Paolo, but I could definitely see Thunder going Paolo two, and that would like shock everyone. But um, yeah, that's. So let me ask you this. Are you making that pick on you think he's the best player in this draft or are you doing it with a lot of thinking of like he's the best fit for Orlando? I think it's more the best. I, you know, honestly, if you ask me, I'm the type of player to like. Type it's of hard. Per- it's hard. It's, I'm, like, it is. I'm the type of person to probably name like a random player, like someone like Malachi Branham to be the best player in the draft. But um you obviously can't do that at number. I mean, you can't make. You can't say like Giannis. Hold is the best. Wait, hold on, bro. What you just said, Malachi Brand? We'll get into that. We'll I mean, get into maybe. that. But um, okay. but I, I think overall, like out of the three, I I think Paulo truly has probably the best option from what we know right now to be that leading that number one guy. And I don't. I know this this draft class gets a lot of shade for you know not having as many great players as the twenty twenty one draft. But I think this is kind of the best player available for me. I I think um. I think for Orlando too, like they're gonna get, they're getting someone that's gonna have to play the big man regardless. Despite how many the Wendell Carter, Mo Bamba, all those players they have, I, I feel like they're kind of in a position to choose best player available regardless of like fit. Although you can argue Jabari may be a good fit, but no, like you said, they have a lot of big men there. So I think, but yeah, I I just think Paul is the best player available, and I think um, he's gonna be a player. I know he's gonna probably go like three. But I think he's a player who, when you look back on this draft in five years, he probably should have gotten one. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I think in terms of the body, I think he's way more, uh, you know, prepared for the NBA than Chet. Yeah. But in terms of, you know, complete all-around game, I think he's better or more all-around than Jabari. So I think it's a little bit of a happy medium because I do think Chet – is he he would be the number one player on my board at least. So in that respect, like I think I think, yeah, you get a little bit of a happy medium with Paulo where it's like, you know, he kinda you gotta weigh the strengths and weaknesses um between the three of them. And I think really the chances are pretty equal, I think, for for real. Like the chances of like Chet, Jabari or Paulo going one on Thursday night, I think are all pretty equal. And obviously, like the odds, like the Vegas odds, it was like plus sixteen hundred for Paulo, like a couple days ago, and then it just shot up to like plus two sixty or something like that, like just within the past couple days. So it's it's just been fluctuating the whole time. So yeah, it'll yeah. be interesting. One thing I also want to address, also Paulo's main concern is really the defensive end, which I do think is is fair. But like I'm under the assumption that Orlando has enough defensive. This is again the kind of fit thing. Orlando has enough of defensive players like Wendell Carter, Franz Wagner. I think they can kind of hide his deficiencies. Obviously, yes. Like I think out of the three prospects, he's by far probably the worst defender. I think both Jabari and Chet are phenomenal on the other end of the floor. But I do think Orlando is a good fit for him because they they have defensive dogs that can kind of cover for him a little bit. And who knows? Perhaps it's something he can improve on. You know, as he gets um, as he gets more acclimated to the league. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so I will get it going then with the second overall pick of the 2022 NBA mock draft. I'll be taking as acting as Sam Presti in the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think the move in this situation is Jabari Smith all day long. I mean, this is a dream situation for Oklahoma City that Paolo goes number one and that Jabari is left there just 
in Oklahoma City's laps. I think that is the best possible situation for Sam Presti. I think Jabari's the best player in this draft. I've been saying that for a long time. I think he's that good. He's a guy who, listen, he's not going to beat you, uh, you know, off his own dribble. He's going to beat you off ball. He's a great shooter. He shot 42% from three in college, and that was with a little bit of a slump at the end of the year. Overall average 17 points, seven and a half rebounds, one steal and one block. He is a fantastic defender. He has the dog mentality that I think you need in the NBA to become a star and the dog mentality that you need to really earn that number one overall pick, and in this case, number two overall pick. And, I, and so I think if you're Oklahoma City and Jabari isn't called at number one, they will be ecstatic because I was going to say coming into this episode, I was expecting to have to make a choice between Paolo and Chet. And I thought Presti and Oklahoma City would be in a tough situation of, you know, they're two solid players, but each of them have certain weaknesses. I, in my opinion, Jabari is the number one guy. And I think it's, for me, it's pretty clear. Um, obviously, you know, everybody has different opinions. Vinay thinks Paolo is the better player, which is fair. You're but, lucky. You're lucky Vinay's the uh, GM for Orlando since you, you were thinking about picking between Paolo and Chet. <laughs> yeah. But, you and, know, I mean, I don't know. I think that Jabari, he's that guy. And I think that. Oklahoma City with them he would fit perfectly obviously when you're this early in the draft you know you're not picking based off fit you're picking based off best player available it's pretty clear and I think in this situation Jabari is that best player available and he's the best fit for Oklahoma City just because you know you have a good young player in Shea Gilgis Alexander who I think could possibly become he would be an all-star probably on teams with better records and so you know, you have a good player there. They made a solid pick with Giddy last year. I like the fit there with both of those guys being playmakers, and Jabari Smith would thrive in that off-ball offense. What do you guys think, though? My question to you is, like, what do you think Jabari Smith's, like, ceiling is looking like? So there's a lot of people who, like, look at the season at Auburn, and they, they immediately first point out the really ridiculously low two like two-point field goal percentage that was, I think, like, very low compared to past uh, past big men, and additionally, he doesn't he doesn't have as much of creation initial like in terms of dribbling game. Like he seems to lo- a lot of like spot up jumpers, which I think is fine, right? I think that's that's going to be great in OKC with you know SGA and Giddy. They'll get him open looks, but how do you how do you sense his create? That's why he always gets the Rashard Lewis comparison. So how do you think? Do you think he has creation capabilities at the next level? Like yeah, what do you think? What do you think about that? Yeah, I think he definitely does. I mean, obviously, coming into the league, he's not going to, and that's the case, by the way, with most big guys. Even though Paolo is a solid dribbler and a solid you know, self-creator offensively, I'm not sure I would say in the NBA you rely on him to create his own shots either. And I think that's kind of with the situation of all these top three guys, and Chet included, obviously. They're not going to be great self-creators, at least not early on in their career, but I think that can change. Jabari, the thing that amazes me about this kid, though, is he's six foot ten. I mean, the measurables are insane. Six foot ten, two hundred twenty pounds. He's lean, but he's he's very fit. And defensively, I would argue that he is the best defensive player out of the big three in Paolo and Chet. I think he's a better defender than Chet because he has better hands. He can play the perimeter very well, and so. 
I think defensively, I love it. Offensively, the three-point shot is certainly there. With Paolo, there's questions. He shoots. He shot 33% from three in college. But yes, it's a good point. The self-creation isn't really there right now. But I don't think that's a big issue when you have Giddy and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. All right. I guess with the third pick for Houston, I'm going to take Chet. And like you guys just picked... Uh, I think he's the best player in this draft. I really, truly do believe that he should be going 1-1. And, yeah, I mean, you talk about Paulo, like you don't come around that kind of size. Same thing with Chet. You don't come around with guys with that kind of size and this kind of skill. And, you know, I think the one person that comes to mind, like that was like this out of college, was Kevin Durant. And so, I mean, I'm not going to give him – uh, comparison to KD right now because I don't really think there is a fair comparison um, in the league for him just because you know obviously he's a little skinny so so there's that and he's got to put on weight but he's just got elite length and you know he's he's probably the best shot blocker in this draft and I think for Houston in terms of fit um you know, I feel like a lot of fans you see on Twitter, Houston fans are pretty split on uh, Alperin Shangun, but I think th- this will help both of them. I think it's mutually beneficial um, just because, you know, if Shangun does need that help offensively, because they would be a sweet defensive front court. Um, but offensively, he doesn't have that there yet. And, you know, Chet does. And just the way he handles the ball, obviously everyone goes back to like the high school tape where he he crossed up Steph Curry for the dunk, but he he's been doing that at Gonzaga, and you know obviously there are questions like every year whenever a Gonzaga player is drafted about you know competition, but they they played all the best competition, you know they played Duke, they played, I mean I don't know they were in the NCAA tournament, they were the number one overall seed like. Obviously, they got bounced by Arkansas. Um, but, yeah, they they had a pretty tough, like, out-of-league schedule in November and stuff. So he, he'll he be ready for the league. Um, but, obviously, putting on that weight, I think that could change, you know, his positioning at the beginning. So he might not play, you know, the five at the start. But, you know, he'll still be, you know, in the dunk spot, you know. But he can also, you know, shoot threes. Like, he's, he's a solid all-around guy i wouldn't say he's a better three-level scorer than paulo because i do think paulo is the best three-level scorer but i do think he would probably be the the next best one um obviously with jabari having that kind of like a little bit of a mid-range question so yeah that's kind of that's kind of where i'm at i i you know a lot of people have made the case for ivy at three but i really don't see it especially if chet's on the board i think there's no way they're going to pair Ivy with Jalen Green. That just seems oh. funny thinking about. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's a no-brainer. You're taking the best guy on the board. Um, but, yeah. Do you think if Paolo was there at three, though, are you taking Paolo or Ivy or doing something else? Personally, I'd still go with Paolo. Okay. Um, but, obviously, there's a conversation to be had. Maybe Houston – has a trade lined up if there's one of these three guys that's going to be there. So, 
I mean, obviously one of them will be. So if, you know, they don't like Paulo, maybe they got, you know, Indiana on the line. You know, that that most of the, a lot of these deals are kind of set up beforehand, you know, at least in, on paper to be like, okay, if so-and-so drops, then, you know, we'll give you this much because, yeah. But obviously at the same time, you want to have a poker face and, you know, mm-hmm. not show, not give up your whole big board. But, yeah. I'll say this about the Apollo fit in Houston. I think, like, Houston be ecstatic to get either Jabari or Chet because Apollo in Houston, that team can't defend. Shangun can't defend. Jalen Green has questions on that end. And then you add Paulo who has more questions. I think getting Chet or Jabari would just be a phenomenal fit for Houston, so... Yeah, I mean, I think for in terms of fit, I think Jabari actually might be the best fit. Um just because, you know, he'd be an upgrade from Christian Wood, but he's kind of like a perfect replacement in terms of the role that he plays and just he'd be that he'd be that much better too. Um but yeah, I think it's a win with any of these three guys. I don't really see Ivy. I don't really see how you can make a case for him that's like compelling for Houston at least but yeah yeah I agree um I think Jabari won't get to three but yeah that's a good point though that he would be a fantastic fit there for the Houston Rockets let me ask this before we move on to pick four is there a chance that one of these three guys don't go in the top three and, you know, we just said Ivy in Houston doesn't make sense. I don't think Ivy's going number one. Does he make sense for Oklahoma City? And if yes, or, you know, I guess as a, sec- as a follow-up, do you th- could you see one of the top three falling to four or five? It's hard to think about, but I think there would have to be like a Laramie Tunsil situation (laughs) for that to happen, to be honest. Cause obviously, you know, at the start people were like, or like a month or two ago, people were like falling off on Paulo and now he's back up to being the number one guy. So yeah, it depends. I don't really see it. I think it'll go as is. A lot of people have, it seems like they've been overthinking it and you know, like draft season comes around. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors everywhere and you know you don't really know what's real and what's not sometimes so yeah that's kind of where i'm at i think if i had to pick one of the three to fall i would say chet seems like uh he's been kind of quiet like about his like workouts and stuff and perhaps they haven't gone as well i'm not gonna i don't have the credentials to say that but perhaps i'm with you on that though he's the riskiest player so and i don't like i see like okc so if okc selects ivy that's definitely like Sam Presti saying like okay we have like another Russell West like I'm not going to compare them because people shot that down but another player player like Russell Westbrook that I see you know because when they took uh, Westbrook in 2008 that was considered a reach so perhaps it's something like that I don't know the fit like this is again like the fit with Gideon SGA I don't think it's there I don't think you can play all three of them at the same time or you you could try you could try but I, I feel like you'd Jay and Ivy seems to be way too ball, a little bit more ball dominant. And SGA also is ball dominant. And Josh, they all need the ball kind of. So I don't know. But I think if they if they do think like Ivy's that guy, like it wouldn't shock me if uh, Ivy went too. I think that would, it would send the draft like kind of in a chaos, but it would definitely, I think it'd be a good, a good selection for sure. And I will say this too. Last year, the 
the buzz was OKC was taking James Booknight at six, and then they took Josh Giddy, which shocked everyone. And that just goes to show Sam Presti is really quiet as a GM, doesn't really give his cards. So you never know what he has planned. Yeah, for sure. All right, next pick. Number four, the Sacramento Kings. Vinay, you'll be making this pick. I'll give you one last chance. For me, acting as Leon Rose, the general manager of the New York Knicks at pick 11, you would you trade up for two first-round picks? And so the two that I would offer are pick 11 and then the Mavericks first-round pick next year and maybe pick swaps for second-round picks. Would you take that? <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't think I don't think it's uh, – I think Dallas's pick is going to probably be like 15 or 16 next year, if we're being honest, and 11 and 16. I think it'd probably be higher than that, to be honest. I mean, like, yeah, just based or, on... Or, sorry, the, lower. Yeah, lower yeah. as in, like, pick 20 yeah, or 25. Yeah, yeah, pick 20, yeah, 25, yeah. and then you're getting 11. I don't think that's enough. I think they've been gifted the chance to get the fourth pick, and they might as well make a pick. And this this is kind of, like, the most tricky one, because Sacramento is a team that... They honestly shouldn't have got the fourth pick, because it's just such a weird thing with the fit and everything like that. But... I think considering what we know and what I think, um, what I think I would do, I think um, Sacramento, the fourth pick, I got you guys taking Keegan Murray, the Ford out of Iowa. Wow! I think I know it was between him or Dyson Daniels, but uh, we'll we'll talk about Dyson Daniels later. Um, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna just eliminate some players. So I think Jaden Ivy, great player, but. I'm I'm more so really big on character. Like I I and it's, this is it isn't a shot at Jaden Ivey's character because I think it's just more so if he doesn't want to play in Sacramento from what he's shown, then why why bother drafting him? And I know some players people will be like, oh, they can work it out, it's fine. But I think I think that already is just kind of a red flag. And for from what I interpret, Sacramento's what they're doing is they're trying to build a cult. They're they're doing kind of what the Pistons are doing, like when they had Blake Griffin. You know, when they're just trying to make the eighth seed. And I can't fault them for that. You know, they've missed the playoffs for 16 years in a row. I mean, you got to do what you got to do to make the playoffs. And I think making a selection like Keegan Murray is probably the best one that's going to help you make the playoffs. The fit with Sabonis is a little bit awkward because they're both kind of on the slower end. So defensively, I have some concerns. But Keegan Murray, man, he's a lot of people, it seems very, like, he's very polarized as a prospect. A lot of people either hate him or love him. I, I lean more towards, I like him as a prospect. I think what he did in Iowa was pretty impressive. His story for me was also, like, really the, being the late bloomer, you know, going to, playing in Florida for a year because he had zero D1 offers and then getting uh, one scholarship at Iowa and all of a sudden becoming the guy, you know, putting up 23 points a game. I, he was one of the most efficient players in college basketball. And this, I don't, I feel like this a is a bit of a Jimmy Butler story, if you will. A little bit, yeah, perhaps. And just reading about his like demeanor and his character, I feel like he's a player that that's the type of person. And this is why I think we'll talk about when the Pistons make the pick. That's probably why, like, if Keegan falls to five, I have no doubt in my mind the Pistons will take him because the character is really just like on. The, I think it's probably one of the best in the draft in terms of just like who he is as a player. And yeah, I like I like the fit also with Keegan more than Jaden Ivy. Oh, I mean, it's been kind of clear. Like, you can't, you can't just do De'Aaron and Jay and Ivy. It's just like there's just a lot of questions. And Jay and Ivy has questions too, because people praise the high athleticism, but he doesn't have a mid-range shot. There's like a lot of talk about that. And can he create? And I feel like it's just Sacramento with uh, Davion Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox. Like, they they traded. I know they traded Tyrese Halliburton, but I think 
to get Sabonis, but part of it was like they realized that there's like a specific type of guard they want to play with De'Aaron or Davion, right? And I think I don't think Jaden Ivey fits either though, so I make the pick as Keegan Murray. And I will just say Dyson Daniels was in consideration for this pick because I actually think the fit between him and Fox would be really, really something like to work with because Dyson Daniels just does everything on defense. Honestly, Dyson Daniels and Davion Mitchell, thus yes, you could say rest in peace to the shooting, but the defense, that'd be nice. So uh, <laughs> that was in consideration, but I think four is just a little bit too high for me to take Daniels. I think we'll probably see him go later in the draft, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with the pick. So here's what I'll say with that. I two things. One, I agree with you that I think Keegan Murray is the much better fit for Sacramento just because I said it in the Jay Nivey episode that we had in the scouting report on him that he's the type of guy that yes, you can build a backcourt around, but you're not gonna do it with De'Aaron Fox next to you. You're just yeah. simply not going to. De'Aaron Fox is a score for score first guard. He's not a great shooter. I will say this, guys. I was looking at some of their stats for the Kings at the end of their season. Did you know after they traded to Halliburton, De'Aaron Fox averaged almost 29 points a game and Davion Mitchell averaged almost 18 as a rookie? Davion Mitchell in the last month or two of basketball averaged almost 18 points a game as he finally got to start. Exactly. And Davion Mitchell is another guy that had a Keegan Murray murray-esque yep. story yeah. where you know he's kind of from i mean he's all those older. guys from baylor that mm-hmm. won the national championship were under recruited undervalued kind of guys and you know obviously he stands out amongst the rest of them but yeah he's another guy who came from like juco rankings and then you know made it to baylor and you know now on the kings so i think i think you talk about like the culture that the kings are building i think they that would make sense in terms of like the guys they want because they can see the development there. Like, you know, when you have a five star, obviously there's a lot of development that goes into that, but it's not as like noticeable because it's like this guy has always been good since he was, you know, 13, 14, as opposed to, you know, Keegan Murray, who's like, you can tell like since he was 18, like he's worked his ass off to get to where he is now. So yeah, I mean, I think I don't really think the Kings are smart enough to like actually see that and look into that <laughs> because I, I am reading in between the lines a little bit. But at the same time, that is something like to take note of. Yeah, and it's a tough situation for Sacramento because they're kind of faced with: Do you try to, as Vinayak said, try to build for right now and try to barely make the playoffs? Because you do that if you think that DeMontis Sabonis doesn't have too much left in, in him, or actually not too much left in him, that he's going to leave in, at the end of his contract in two years. Or you think that, you know, De'Aaron Fox can't really get too much better. Like, you just try to get the most out of this team right now for a franchise that hasn't won a playoff game since, what, 04, 03? Or 02, maybe? I don't, I don't know when it was. It was around then, though. Like, they're faced with the issue of you either try to go for that and try to get the 7 or 8 seed, or you try to sell to your fan base, we're going to take Jaden Ivey, and we're going to not, I don't want to say start the rebuild over, but Ivey's not as NBA ready as Keegan Murray is. He might be a better player long term, I don't know, but it, it's a tough situation, man. But here's what I wanted to ask you guys with this. Would Keegan Murray be available if Sacramento traded back to pick seven? Because you could argue, so something like that, 
that why not package a deal to drop back to like pick seven or six or something with Indiana, who's been going after pick four for Ivy. Why not do that and take Keegan Murray there? Because the Pistons. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm of the belief that if Keegan's there at five, I think the Pistons will. I don't know how Pistons fans, I know Neil, you you, you personally, and I'll say Aiden, you two guys, you guys have been like not fans of it, but like I just, from what we've been given, I think the Pistons and also the Pacers are actually, both of them I think would take Keegan. Unless they can find a way to like convince the Pistons to trade back even further. Yeah. I don't think I don't see it happening. Like if if they convince, you know, yeah, to trade down with Indiana and then they convince, you know, like San Antonio or Washington to trade up with the Pistons to take Dyson Daniels or somebody like that. But I don't really see it because I do think the the Pistons kind of have the Kings in a weird spot where it's like they could move cuz a lot of guys are or a lot of teams are trying to trade up to get Ivy. Yeah, but if they fall behind the Pistons, you know, Pistons are going to take Murray, and I think the Kings do have Murray like pretty highly rated. Um, besides the top three guys that are already off the board, I think he's their number four. And I'll say this about the Kings, like Neil, you mentioned, like, do they sell to their fans that we're taking Jay and Ivy? We want to rebuild, like, like we're Lions fans, so so we know this. Like, how much can you sell to your fans that you rebuild? Like, you've been rebuilding technically for like. 16 like the kings are like in the lottery every year and it seems like anytime they try to do it the right way do the rebuild right they just seem to mess up you know just go down the line of picks like no no offense to marvin bagley you know thomas robinson ben mack i'm ben, ben mackamore's in the league granted nick stauskas like tyreek evans even though he won rookie of the year didn't work out you know yeah injuries man and but but i mean like still like the points there like how much more can you sell to your fan base that like we're doing this rebuild because What's going to make it different than the rebuild in 2012, 2013? Right. So it's like, it's a really tough situation. I think, though, the best thing they can do is pick a direction and just embrace it. So from the Sabonis trade, you don't make the Sabonis trade without at least the intention of going to the playoffs, which is fair. But now you've committed to it. I think you just have to stay the course. Like, just do do the stuff that fans will, two years from now, be like, oh, why did we do that? We sacrificed our future. But... Hey man, if you can get playoff basketball in Sacramento, I think those fans they they love it. Even if it comes at the expense of missing out on Victor Wenembayaba or whoever else is in the twenty twenty three or four draft. But no, it's definitely a consider a, a thought experiment for sure. Yep. All right, we'll uh, keep it moving then. So next pick of this mock draft is, of course, our very own the Detroit Pistons at five, and so I'll be making that pick as acting as Troy Weaver. And listen, if they're in this situation for Detroit where Jaden Ivey's name has not been put on the board yet, you rush to get that call in. <laughs> you know, call it in, Troy. Get it. Don't, don't even, don't second think it. You know, unless it's Benedict Matherin, who I love, by the way. This is a Benedict Matherin podcast. We'll say that over and over and over. We all love him. But Ivy, I think, is the pick for Detroit at five. Listen, you can, first of all, one thing I'll say is go back to our scouting report episode on him if you haven't listened to it yet. I thought we did a great job and really talked about him and went in depth on him. But what we said from that, just to highlight it, is that the ceiling is becoming, how do I put this simply? The ceiling is becoming an all NBA player consistently, like all NBA team player. He's that good. And 
he, he could be that good because all the tools are there. We've talked about that over and over and over. All of the tools are there with the physicality. You know, he's six foot four, but he is buff, man. He's pretty big for a, a combo guard. Um, he, he weighs like 200 pounds or something like that is big for a combo guard. He, his athleticism is unbelievable. He has out of the gym hops. All of that's there. The question is if the coaching can figure out the skill set, if they can get him more disciplined on defense, if they can work on his shot. And if you can do that, Jaden Ivey has a chance to be a number two option on a championship team. He has a chance to be that good. And if I'm Detroit and you're in a situation of you only have one guaranteed long-term player in Cade Cunningham and maybe Sadiq Bey, you got to just swing for the fences on this pick. And Ivy would be doing that. And the other thing I'll say is, I think the fit with Kate Cunningham would be fantastic. Ivy's not a great passer. He's not a great playmaker. Kate Cunningham is. So Kate Cunningham will run that offense. He will find his open teammates. He'll find Jaden Ivy to cut to the rim and things, which Ivy does a great job of. And so I think the spacing will still be there. Defensively speaking, Cade's a great defender that he can make up for Ivy to a certain extent. And then long term, like we said, the potential is there. And if they can develop him, Man, Detroit will be looking pretty. I think I have the biggest issue of the three of us with Ivy. And it's not even an issue. It's just, you know, my concern. I just don't think, I mean, I don't know. It's because I did see him live, like watching him live against MSU, which is this year was probably MSU's like one of their worst teams in like 20 some odd years. And they just denied him the ball the whole time. And he he still ended up with like 13 points, but everyone came into the game with like all this hype, and I was like, after after the game, I was like, oh, he wasn't really that like you know good or like not that he wasn't good, but he like just was a non-factor, pretty much the whole game. So I don't know. I guess seeing that like I do have a little bit of bias towards him. Just like he didn't wow me the one time I did see him, but obviously like I've. I watch him on TV and stuff and he's had some wild moments and yeah, I think, I think the three point shooting's got to improve because that's, that's kind of one of my biggest concerns. I think he's a one, he feels like a one speed guy too. Like he can't slow it down. It's, it's hard for him to slow it down. He's just one speed, like go run through a brick wall. And that's literally kind of what he is. And you know, I feel like Westbrook has that one speed. I feel like, you know, kind of jaw to an extent has that one speed kind of guy. But, you know, it has it, it has its perks, but it also has, you know, its weaknesses and you can be exposed pretty badly for it. I'll ask you this, Neil. Like, what's the... So, like you said, you're a Bandic Mathern fan. And so what is the thing that, I guess, gives Jaden Ivy the edge over Ben Mathern? And also, I'll say... um was I going to say? Also, um, I wanted to ask you, like, how, with this pick, do you think the Pistons are kind of hand, not hand, they handed the keys to Cade Cunningham next, last year, but are you comfortable with them kind of handing the keys for Jade and Ivy to basically just be that second man? Like, like this is, because this, basically by drafting this, you're kind of locking this back. I don't see Ivy as a type of player to accept, like, a Killian role, like a sixth man. I feel like Ivy's the kind of person who I think you'd have to, like, commit to. Like, this is the player who, we may have to win it. We're going to try to win a championship with. So two questions there. Do you think he's that guy? And also what gives you him the edge over uh, Mathurin? So the first thing I'll say is that he's a coach's son, Jaden Ivey is. And so I think 
he has never really had issues with intangibles. I'm not sure really where a lot of people come up with that. Um, he's never really had intangibles issues with teams. He's always been looked at as apparently a great leader, according to Matt Painter and a bunch of other guys from Purdue. And so I don't think taking him there and telling him, you know, you're going to have to take a step back to Cade Cunningham and you're going to have to take time to get better will be an issue. I don't think there'll be an issue in terms of mentality with the Pistons there. I think Ivy is aware enough to understand his skill set and his traits. I think he'll be, I think that's, that'll be just fine. What I will say in comparison to Benedict Matherin is I fully thought that Ivy would be off the board by now. <laughs> Whether Vinayak was going to take Ivy at four, which I, again, I'll say this clearly. I don't think the Kings should take him at four, but I think in the real NBA draft, I'm not sure the Kings will take that pick. I think they'll probably trade it from everything that we've been hearing. And so I, Come Thursday night, I'm not sure Ivy's name will still be there at pick five. And what I was getting ready to say is that I think you take Benedict Matherin immediately if it's not there. I think he is a fantastic pick at pick five as well. He fits perfectly next to Cade Cunningham. I mean, I can't say that clearly enough. He is the best fit in this draft for the Detroit Pistons in Matherin. But the difference between Matherin and Ivy is just the ceiling. And I'm not, you know, I have been one of the guys saying that Matherin's ceiling is higher than a lot of people think, but Ivy's is another level. And the thing that I see with the Pistons is when you have a franchise star, like it seems like Kate Cunningham is, I don't think you can just play it safe with a lot of these picks in in terms of taking Keegan Murray. Man, I'll say that right now. If you're Troy Reaver as Pistons fans... If he takes Keegan Murray at pick five, that is awful. I mean, Pistons fans should not be happy with that pick because that does not push the needle at all for Detroit. And so, especially when you already have Jeremy Grant, by the way, that's that's another thing. But I just I think Jaden Ivey can be that dude. And worst case, it doesn't work out, and you're picking early again in the lottery next year. And they're going to have a bunch of cap space anyways. When you have that type of franchise star in Cade Cunningham, as teams, as a lot of other teams have done, you can make moves around that guy and build a team. And so I think with Ivy, you maximize your potential as a team in this rebuild. But yeah, I mean, it's it's fair. All the risks are there. The concerns are there. But I think Ivy can figure it out. I think he can be a solid shooter. The defensive upside is fantastic. He just doesn't, he's not as disciplined on defense. So like I said, that's just coaching. Um, but I don't think, I think the fit's pretty pretty darn good for Detroit. Yeah, I think I think those are some those are some solid points. I think um, I will say my my only uh, response to what would you say about Keegan is I think that also is worth mentioning that like this draft class isn't isn't seen as like an elite draft class compared to twenty twenty one. So that's I, fair. I'm thinking like the idea is that if you can get a player who can contribute, like that's better than a bust. But I see what you're saying with the with the Pistons taking a swing and. They we did get K kind of, we're kind of spoiled so fair enough I I agree yeah. with that yeah yeah I mean I don't know you know there's there's never a surefire pick but obviously a lot of people think the top three players are you know kind of surefire guys that will at least be in the league for you know ten fifteen years so also I just want to say Matt Painter terrible coach oh. I fully Terrible agree with that. Coach. In terms of, he's a solid coach overall, 
But in terms of utilizing Ivy and making him better, awful. Awful. He yeah. just likes to use seven footers yep. for fun. And yeah, I'm with you it on that. Pains me. <laughs> um but yeah. I, I mean I guess I think I'm a little more skeptical as I've voiced about Jaden Ivy, but yeah, I do see the upside. All right. So for pick six, I got Indiana Pacers. I'm gonna take Dyson Daniels. Um, I think this is an interesting pick, uh, especially for the Pacers who are trying to rebuild. I think this is, you know, it's not really a shot in the, in the dark, but it is, you know, a swing and a change in a, di- in a different direction for the organization as a whole. Um, but by all accounts, he first of all, I want to say he's from Bendigo, Australia, which is a fun name to say. Um, Bendigo. Shout but, out to our Australia listeners. Yeah, we see shout out the, Australia. The Spotify data analytics. Yep. <laughs> but anyways, from from all the stuff that I've heard, you know, when he was younger, he would go to camps and stuff, and he would go to camps with Josh Giddy, and everyone said he was better than Josh Giddy. And we just went and saw, you know, how he was last year. Um. So there's that. And, yeah, Malcolm Brogdon's contract is up at the end of next season. And, you know, I think, you know, he's making like 20, between 20 and 25 million a year. So I think they're going to get that off the books. Um, It looks like there's a clear direction for Indiana right now, especially after they just traded Sabonis, which was kind of a surprise to few. Um, But it's clear now that they're in tanking mode. And I think they will be for a couple years. And in a way, this does feel like a Killian Hayes pick. Where it's like you're taking a guy that you know not a lot of people have watched. I think a lot of scouts have watched, um, just because you know he's been in the G League, so a lot of scouts know of him. But I think a lot of just you know regular everyday NBA fans haven't watched him a lot. But yeah, it's interesting. I think he does have a similar game, kind of both to Josh Giddy, who I just mentioned, and uh, Malcolm Brogdon. So I think I think in a way. It's a good replacement, and, you know, yeah. I mean, it depends, too, just because a lot of days now, like, you look at Houston, who took Jalen Green and Shangun earlier, and didn't, they kind of shied away from college players. I wonder what the Pacers are thinking about this, because, you know, a lot of teams are weighing their options with G League being available for high schoolers now about, you know, do we want to take a chance on a G League guy? Like, are they really that much better? Are they getting that more developed than in college? So I think that's interesting. And I think the Pacers are a team that would take that chance, especially since this is their first pick um, in the top 10. Well, okay, Paul George was picked number 10 but in 2010, but this is their first time having a single-digit pick since 1989. So Jeez. if you want to think wow. about that. So this is kind of a big pick for them. Um doesn't seem like it that it's been that long for them. I know they've kind of been they've been in that whole like I mean obviously they had the Reggie Miller era and stuff and we talked about that before about their documentary <laughs> uh between the the Pistons, but yeah, I mean they've kind of been in that, you know, late lottery to uh to you know like 4 3 seed in the playoffs so they kind of been there the whole past like 30 40 years so we'll see 
I'm interested in this pick. This this actually like very much so intrigues me outside of what you know the Pistons are doing. Yeah, I'll just say about like the Pacers, they seem to be embracing the rebuild. Like they're shopping Malcolm Brogdon and Miles Turner. I think I think it's time for them to embrace. And I think Dyson Daniels is perfect. Like he's a perfect. Mm-hmm. He's like Chris Duarte. You know, he doesn't play like Chris Duarte. Your guy. But- <laughs> you got Chris Duarte. But he's like Chris Duarte, but like minus five years because cause I believe he's like, I don't know if he's 18 or 19, but very young. And then the measurements were just phenomenal. Like Six foot 11 wingspan. Yeah, right, geez. right. And yeah, there's a lot of potential there for sure to be like an elite defender. And I like the pick. I think Daniels, honestly, his range could go from like four to nine. So he's, yeah. he's a good pick. I do think, I think, you know, in a way, you know, his his outside game is similar to Ivy where it's, like, unknown or, like, you know, he's not that great of a three-point shooter and that's something they need to improve on. But the rest of his game, yeah, like, he's a really good defender. Like, I mean, he's six seven, he's super long, and he plays the one. Like, he can he can lock dudes down. Um, And, yeah, again, like, kind of going back to the Killian thing, like, that's what Killian does. So... We'll see. But, yeah, I actually kind of like this pick, and I like the player. And I think he'll develop well um, under under the Pacers. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you. I don't mind it in, in terms of, you know, you kind of – if you're Indiana, it's a little early on in this new rebuild. I'm not even sure if it's a full rebuild, though, but in this new rebuild type of thing that they got going on. And so – you know, with Dyson Daniels, you're saying, okay, um, let's let's go for it. A guy who has a lot of upside. You know, the shot is not there. Um, I by the way, I wouldn't even compare it to Jaden Ivy. That's disrespectful to Ivy, because <laughs> Dyson Daniels, man, his shot is very bad. But his passing is fantastic. The defense is there, and so on. And so, it, it's a fair point that you know maybe you go for. And the other thing I'll say for Indiana is. I'm not sure that a lot of the guys in the later lot, later parts of this lottery make sense in terms of fit for the Pacers just because Bendik Mathern, as much as I like him, I don't think he'd make a lot of sense for the Pacers there. I think Keegan Murray would, but he's probably going to be gone for, by six. So it's a tough spot that the Pacers are in. I don't, I don't mind that pick too much. Anyways, to keep it moving, though, Vinayak, you have pick seven. And so... Quick question, and we, we're going to keep this one, keep the rest of these picks going quicker, by the way. Yeah. With this pick, Vinayak, just before you announce it, would does it make sense for Portland to trade this pick? I think so, yes. If they can get, if they can get a player that is not named Jeremy Grant, <laughs> this is from Portland's perspective. I, I don't think they should trade Jeremy for seven. I don't think Jeremy's worth seven. I don't think you'd do that. But if you Even get, in this draft? Yeah, I, I just... I'm exploring the market for seven. Like I'm really seeing what like if Jeremy's the best you can get, then I think I think at that point you have to talk to Damian Lillard. You have to decide. But it seems like Damian Lillard wants to stay and wants to win, which personally, if you ask me, I don't think is the right direction. I think all this winning stuff is just gonna lead to him getting traded within the next two years, but that's just me. So I think they should explore it. They should look to trade it. So it's kinda hard for me to even like make a pick because I don't think any of these players I'd select like Keegan Murray would be like the perfect fit I guess if you wanted a win now player but what type of win now like no rookie is ever going to come in and just be like efficient off the gate they're the rookies you can't expect that so 
Do you, have a, do you have a trade in mind then? Because if you have a trade in mind, you, you know, I'll let you go with it if you want. But I don't, if not, you can obviously take the Maybe that New York trade, would, you, could, you could come back to that. Perhaps, yeah. I mean, I don't think New York would trade up to seven, though. Because I don't think they're trading up unless they get Ivy. The thing is, like, they need a player. It's not like, like, I would immediately, if I was a Portland, I would consider OKC at 12 because you yep. get a bunch of draft picks, but Portland wants a player. So, like, I don't think you can. Well, would you take, because this is one that I saw on Bleacher Report yeah. and on, online in general, would you take, if you're Portland, you trade back to pick 12, so you only trade back five picks, but you get Lou Dort and maybe another guy from OKC, I don't know. Would you take that? I would take Lou Dort and 12. If it's Lou Dort and 12 offered for seven, I think I, I would take that. I think okay. I think Lou Dort has established himself as a great defender. So he's, a really, he's a good shooter. He can shoot the ball. Um, I would take that. I think... Lou Dort and twelve is good. Jeremy Grant by himself is I don't think it cuts it. But if you get you get another lottery pick and Lou Dort, I think it's Poku and twelve. Would you take <laughs> Theo Maladon and thirty four? No, <laughs> R.J. Hampton. All right, then yeah, Vinay, so, do you want to take that pick for Portland there, or do you want to take it as OKC? I'll, I'll make the pick for Portland. So okay. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just say Damian Lillard, like he's in the room, but I'm just gonna probably lock the door. <laughs> And I think I'm gonna I'm gonna select Shaden Sharp. Um, yeah. Um, yep. I don't know. Do you Makes say sense. Do you say Shaden Sharp guard from Kentucky or from Canada or Dreams? I don't know where you say he's from, but um, cause he didn't play in Kentucky. But again, Portland is a team that if we talk about needing to swing, they need to swing. They just yep. They need. They kind of if they're gonna if they want to embrace the rebuild past Dame, like Damian Lillard was kind of a swing. Where I don't know at the time it wasn't a swing. He was actually like fell down the kings were supposed to select him but it's time for them to kind of make a pick like that and i kind of like anthony simons like i think he's gonna be a pretty kind of <laughs> i'm pretty high on anthony simons i'm not even gonna cap i, I think he's, he's a he's gonna be a really good player for them but i think shaden sharp kind of helps him elevate i think he's had he's had good workouts although he's been a little bit more quiet and his camp is is kind of in my opinion kind of ruining like the perception of him i mean let's be real this is the number one player in um number one player in his class came to kentucky um didn't play but according to like people you talk people you talk to or people you read about he was clearly the best player uh, granted in practice but in kentucky that's with players like ty ty washington and um oscar to i don't know how you say that last name but uh, she boy she boy i mean he was the best player on the court there and i think that's worth considering and I, I like the potential. I like. I mean, you have a six-six guard with like a six, almost six-eleven wingspan. I believe it's a very long wingspan, and then has a nice shot, a pretty, pretty jumper. There's questions about, you know, can he play defense? He wasn't really like trying and coasting, but I'm, I'm impressed. Like I, I was impressed by him, and he is getting a lot of slander, and I think that's just the result of the draft just being longer. Like the draft, just like there's like a month gap, and people just like overthink it. But I think Sharp, in the end, like. If he goes next year, he's probably picked in the same spot as well, seven, seven to ten. So I don't think it's a bad pick. I think Sharp makes the most sense. To go for the upside, and hopefully, uh, I mean, you can try to rebuild with Dame, or you can just, uh, you know, get the picks and move on. But yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Okay. All right, then. Yeah, moving on. The eighth overall pick, the New Orleans Pelicans. I, if I'm David Griffin, I will be taking Benedict Mathurin here. Like we've said, this is a Benedict Matherin podcast. Can't say it enough. And I think the fit, man, the fit with the Pelicans is perfect. 
he, you know, we said it on the Benedict Mather and scouting report episode we had that he is the type of guy that can fit honestly on NBA, any NBA team. He's a great off-ball shooter. He doesn't need the ball in his hands. He, he's solid defensively. That can get better. But the athleticism there is there. So I think Mathern works perfectly for New Orleans. And if they're at pick eight right there and he just is still available somehow, you got to be so happy you take that as a win immediately for the Pelicans because the fact is New Orleans is in this interesting situation that they, yes, they're in the lottery. I Actually, even though this isn't their own pick, but yes, they've been in the lottery as of recently. They haven't had too much success, but they are trying to win now. It's quite clear. They made the trade for C.J. McCollum. Brandon Ingram has been showing up. You still have Zion, whatever is left of him, whatever he can give. I, nobody knows at this point. But they're trying to win now. And Benedict Mathern is a guy that you can plug into that lineup immediately, and he will be a good player. I, I'll say this right now. I don't care where Benedict Mathern goes. Actually, maybe I do. But I think in all likelihood, he will be competing for Rookie of the Year next year. And I think he will be a all-rookie first team next year. I'll, I'll, I'll say it right now. Book it. I think he will be that good, and he will be that NBA ready. And so for the Pelicans, you suddenly have a lineup of McCollum, Matherin, Ingram, Zion, if he's healthy, and then what, Steven Adams or whatever. And so that is a, or sorry, Steven Adams plays for, no, Jonas Valanciunas, right? Or am I tripping? Valanciunas. Valanciunas. Yeah, Valanciunas. Okay, I was like, he does not play for, okay, I bet. Um, but no, I mean, that's a good lineup. You get better. You get Zion back, and I think the Pelicans are suddenly a five or a six seed in the Western Conference. And so it makes sense. I'll say this one more time. Matherin is a great player, and I don't think there's a a 3 and D ceiling on him like a lot of people are saying. I think he can turn into a consistent all-star in the NBA. That's good. you got to have that confidence in your guy. That's why I'm happy if the Pistons get him at five. I'd I'd be content with that. Yeah. All right. So the ninth pick, the San Antonio Spurs. You never hear them like in the lottery. It's kind of weird saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to have them taking Jeremy Sochan. And I think this is a very much so a San Antonio Spurs pick. It's, it's kind of like guys who just like you know of about like college football and then they get drafted by the Patriots. And you're like, <laughs> oh, this this will fit perfect. But yeah. I mean, I like his game. You know, I think, you know, the numbers aren't, like, completely there. They're, they're not, like, great. They don't stand out, you know, as much as, you know, a guy like Mathurin or, like, Jabari or Chet. Um, but I think if you start giving him the minutes, like, the, as, you know, you even out the time, they'll start showing better. Um, he was the sixth man of the year in the Big 12. Dude can guard, like, pretty much like two through five and he's he's like a bulky dude he's kind of he's he's built like a brick um and yeah shoots like a brick too yeah he does <laughs> brad his three-point percentage is better than ivy and, no was it and dyson daniels for that matter it was not better than ivy he shot 29.6 ivy shot 36 percent from three last year says 27 percent I mean, not shoot twenty seven percent. You want to see it right here? I got the stats up right here. Hold up, bro! You are capping so hard. Right, no, yeah, up. no, never mind. I was looking at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, but Sochan, one of like the only players I think that could 
truly guard one through five. Yes. Like, no, yeah. uh, great yeah. defender. No, I don't mean to knock elite. him, by the way. He's a, yeah, it's a good no, pick. He'll be a, an elite defender. And, you know, he's kind of a guy. Yeah, Spurs like those kind of tweener guys. And he's pretty bulky, um, like I said. And I think he's got he's got a good IQ. He's, like, got a high IQ. Like, is very underrated um, just because he didn't get that many minutes because Baylor is pretty loaded team. Um, so yeah, I think with the minutes will come the, you know, production and that's, that's pretty much all I got to say. If you, if you watch the tape, he's not like a wow guy, but you know, he knows the fundamentals and Spurs love guys with fundamentals. They even had a dude that had a nickname called Mr. Fundamentals. <laughs> Joshua dun, Primo, dun, dun, dun. you're talking about? Yeah, Josh Primo. <laughs> he didn't win oh, I thought you were talking about Jakob Pertle. The Daily Purtle. You guys play that yet? Yeah, I did. But but I'll say this real quick. Just real quick on Sochan. I know we've been trying to zoom through here. Um, it was reported with his pro days, that, or sorry, his pro day and then his pre-draft workouts, that they've gone really well. And it's been reported that his three-point jumper looks good and it looks consistent now. If that's the case, he will go top 10 for sure. And he could certainly go even higher. I know Sacramento apparently is extremely high on him. Now, I don't think Sacramento takes him at four, but if they trade back, it's probably a good likelihood they take him there. Anyways, keep it moving. Vinayak, you have picked 10, the Washington Wizards. Another team who I think could trade it, but um, another team I also just don't like their direction. I actually, I'll say this about the Wizards. Um, not a big Denny Avija uh, guy. No, nah, no, nah, but I've come I've actually um, Kispert. I've come to the understanding that uh the I used to always roast their GM Tommy Shepard a lot, but actually I think they also have like a piston situation where it's like the owner. The owner's like has a real strong relationship with Bradley Beals. His name's like Ted Leonos. I don't know how to say his name. They kind of get away because yeah. of how bad Sacramento has been been as an organization, they kind of yeah. get away with how bad they've been. Because besides like John Wall, Brad Beal, mm-hmm. the rest of that organization has been terrible. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and that's why like I again I'm in the camp of trading Bradley. I don't like this whole like build around Bradley Beal because I I don't think Bradley Beal is even a number one option. I, I he's good. Like don't get me wrong, he's good, but I don't think he's the number one guy. But anyway, I digress. So. With the 10th pick, the Washington Wizards, I have them selecting Johnny Davis, guard out of Wisconsin. Um, Johnny Davis was probably one of the more, I would say, popular players in college basketball. He had a breakout season his uh, sophomore year from Minnesota. Played football, you know, as a kid growing up. Just bringing out these uh, random facts. But, no, he was a really he was a really good player. I was really impressed with his, uh, <laughs> with his creation abilities and he gets a lot of slack. A lot of people bring up the tournament and how awful he played, but he did suffer like an ankle injury, like a pretty bad ankle injury. And he was playing on that. And additionally, he was the guy similar to Benedict Mathurin. He was the guy at Wisconsin. He was taking all the tough shots, which is why I think the efficiency is kind of inflated. Cause he's just taking so many tough shots. Cause no one in Wisconsin can really do anything. And he also, unlike, Actually, not not unlike Matt. No, Mathern also is the same. But Johnny Davis actually plays defense too. Like Johnny Davis is a, I I didn't think he played defense, but no, he he's played defense. No, he's locked out. Yeah, I mean, like that's yeah. kind of what Wisconsin's known for. Is exactly. They, like, it, I think their style of play is different just because you know they slow it down. But yeah, yeah they're they're pretty well known for, um, their defense. 
But yeah, I mean, uh, for for the amount of like production he had in that style of play, like I was saying, like that's pretty crazy in yeah. and of itself. Like that's impressive. I don't think that many guys can put up you know those kind of numbers in that in that system. Exactly. I'll also say, even though the three point percentage wasn't there, the shot looks clean. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like the mechanics are there, and so. He, I have the Knicks picking next, and I, I was probably going to take Johnny Davis. Like he, yeah, even just though broke the Knicks' hearts. Yeah, even though the yeah. shot, like the three point numbers aren't there, he is a type of guy. Unlike Ivy and some other guys, like Dyson Daniels, the mechanics are good, and so he doesn't have to change too much. I think he just needs to practice the shot, yeah. like the three pointer. So I think he'll be fine long term. Yeah, overall, I think I think a good pick, and I think he will be a solid player. I think. He's been kind of he's been kind of uh, underrated, I guess, in this draft process. But yeah, for sure. All right, next pick I will be taking Oche Agbaji. Ochai. Mm. Ochai. No, I thought it was Oche. Or Oche. Ochai. I don't know. Oche, oh, we'll, we'll call him Agbaji. All right, my Agbaji. bad. Um, respect it. I respect it. He is maybe a little bit of a surprise. I don't know. This is by the way the Knicks at pick eleven. And I think it makes sense. I think Agbaji had a great college career. I understand that he's 22 years old now. But if I'm New York, I don't get that scared by it. He's six foot five, 210 pounds. He has good size for who will, a guy who will likely be playing the two in the NBA. And he's a great catch-and-shoot player, or he was for Kansas. He shot 45.3% on spot-up catch-and-shoot in the half-court that is unbelievable. I mean, we've talked about Benedict Matherin's catch and shoot. That's even better than Matherin's. Like, he is a very good shooter. He's extremely athletic. Dude gets up for some oops, man. I mean, watch watch his highlights at Kansas. He had a ton of alley oops. So I, I think it's a good pick for New York. You get a guy who can help right now. And the Knicks are another team in that weird spot of trying to compete or not. And I think he helps them compete. And in a situation where you don't get Ivy, you got to be happy with Oche Agbaji here. I think he he does the job for the Knicks, and I think he has solid upside, especially defensively. He's been criticized a lot about that in college, but I think he has good defensive upside. He's very quick laterally, so I like it. A a 19 points per game score last year at Kansas. I think it's a good pick. We need that culture. They They need as many of those guys as they can get. So Yeah. Um, okay, 12, OKC. Um, I could see OKC trading this pick, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But I think the player I'm about to take, there's no way they'd pass on it because I think this is a Sam Presti kind of guy. AJ Griffin. Okay. Um, I mean, another guy where it's like, you know, you don't really feel it doesn't feel like you're taking a reach on at him, but like at the same time, it does feel like there's a little bit more to him that you don't really know. Um, yeah. at least, at least from what you saw on the, the film from Duke, yeah. um, obviously, you know, he kind of battled for minutes there at one point, but you know, he, he made his way into the, into the starting role and everything. And he's just, they need shooting and he's a great shooter. And if he's able to develop his game into the NBA, he'll be a solid three and D guy for years to come. Um, and he's he's got a big frame too. Um, he's like two he's two twenty already. 
So yeah, having that big frame that's that's NBA ready. That's kind of what you want. Another Sam Presti guy. Yeah. Yeah, no. I've seen him go as high as like but I've seen people putting him at like five in big boards. Like right. a lot of people are buying into the, the Duke season. Like he was kind of an outcast kind of, you know? Yeah. And I think if you pair this with, you know, our mock draft with Jabari, I think that's a solid, that's a yeah. win yeah. in my book. And, you know, either way, come Thursday, they're going to get one of Paulo Jabari or Chet unless they take Ivy, which, you know. That, they 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 won't though. Yeah, they, they won't. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> we but, say this now, but you, you never know. But if that happens, like if they you know bring Paulo and Griffin back, or you know they had Chet and Griffin, or yeah Jabari and Griffin, that's a that's a win for OKC. And I feel like we say this every year, where it's like OKC is the winners, and it, the reasons because they have like seven hundred picks. But I feel like they actually took the two best players available, at least in this mock draft. Yeah. Like uh, that we're still on the board. No, I agree. Mm-hmm. So I guess we're ready to move on. Pick 13. All right. So I think at the end of this draft, I think we'll also like I'm, I'm personally going to give some players that I'm high on, but didn't make the lottery. So for example, I really wanted to get Jaden Hardy into the lottery, but I don't think at 13, it's a fit. Like they they already took book night last year. So. Into the lottery. Yeah. Like, I mean, we we can talk about players that were just like irrationally high on just like, I just want to. I want just want to throw some bullets out there to make it seem like if one of them hit, like I said it. But uh, <laughs> but um, thirteen, the pick here, like if he's available, Jalen Duran. I don't think you. People say they have thirteen, Perfect fifteen, pick. and Cleveland won't take a center. But still, I mean, Jalen Duran is. I think he gets a lot of flack, you know, because he didn't perform like as good as people thought in Memphis. But he's like technically a year young. Like he reclassified to play. Did like. The Imani Bates, uh, although Imani is younger, but he did he reclassified to play with Memphis this year, and I love his uh, I love his shot blocking. I love his like athleticism like that, and I buy the offensive potential with Duran as well. I think that's kind of an aspect of his game that gets kind of under compared to someone like Mark Williams, who I think is Mark Williams doesn't have as much potential on the offensive end as I think Duran does, and he's young. He was also similar like number one player in the class, I believe. I'm not sure if 23 or 20, one of those, one of those classes and the mellow ball throwing oops to Jalen Duran. I think the Hornets need a big, they need anyone that can play defense. So Jalen Duran, I think is the, is the kind of the easy pick here at 13. Yeah. Okay. I like that pick. I re- I really do for Charlotte because they need a big, we've all been talking about it. Um, everybody in the NBA circles have been talking about possible trades for the Hornets for guys like Miles Turner or going after DeAndre Aiden in free agency. I think that makes sense. Duran is also the type of guy who is more NBA ready, I think, than a lot of these prospects. And so yeah. I think that's a good pick. So at 14, my final pick of the day, uh, the second to last pick in our little mock draft, I'll be picking for the Cavaliers. And I'm going with Jalen Williams. Might be oh. a surprise. I don't know. It's a good pick. No, it's, yeah. I like it. Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara University in the West Coast Conference. Six foot six, 190 pounds. Played more as a guard. Maybe can maybe play the three in the NBA. I really like this kid. I really do. I think that he's gone really underrated so far in the draft process, surprisingly. But I think that he could be a guy that comes out of this and he'll get a solid second contract. I'll put it that way. I'm not sure if yeah. there's, you know, 
great star potential there. But he is a really good shooter, and shooting will always be needed in the NBA. If I'm the Cleveland Cavaliers, they're building out this humongous lineup that they're that they have over there. But I think Williams could be a really good complement for that, and could be really good coming off the bench as well. You know, he's a guy who averaged 18 points a game for Santa Clara. Um, he shot 81% from the free throw line and 40% from three. He's a good shooter. That's quite clear. And so I think Jalen Williams is the pick for Cleveland at 14. No, it's a solid pick. I mean, the wingspan, six seven seven two wingspan. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I mean, like you said, Cleveland's getting bigger by the day. Yeah, that I defense, man. You had yeah. that wingspan, too, on the perimeter. That is, yeah, yeah, that's insane. All right, the first pick out of the lottery and the last pick in our draft, uh, Charlotte. Um, I don't. I think they're gonna be gone. I don't think they're taking this pick. It's gonna be someone else. I think they're gonna find a way to trade with one of OKC, Indiana, New Orleans, or Portland. Okay. All right. So, what would be an example but, trade, maybe? Or are you gonna take it as Charlotte? I mean, I don't know. We'll see. But I'm going to take it as Charlotte because okay. I do think uh, this would be a good pick for Charlotte right here. I'm going to take Tari Eason. Mm. I did I- think LSU. I did think about Malachi Branham because I do like his game. But I think Tari Eason's a guy that they would take um, even if they took Jalen Duran at 11, honestly, just because – or 13, sorry – just because, you know, P.J. Washington's got his contract coming up this season, and I think they could upgrade from him, honestly, and I think he's voiced a little bit about wanting out or whatnot. But, you know, he's an inside-out player. He play pick-and-roll. He's a solid three-point shooter. He's a lockdown defender. I feel like we've said this for almost every pick. It's like these guys are lockdown defenders, and it's like, I don't know. I said earlier, I was like, I think, you know, Chet or Jabari are one of the, are the two best defenders in this draft, but then I'm like going down the line, I'm like, okay, you also have Dyson Daniels, you also have Jeremy Sochan, you also have Johnny Davis, like, you have a bunch of guys. Um, and Tari Eason's another one of those guys. He's got a seven-two wingspan, and he's only like six-eight. He could guard one through five. He he reminds me a little bit of a more like well-rounded and better Xavier Tillman kind of guy. Yeah. And, like, in a sense, a little bit of uh, Isaiah Stewart. Um, but he's probably going to play a little more of the four. Um, but, yeah, I really I really like him. I think he could carve out a solid career. And I think he'd be very beneficial for Charlotte. That's, yeah. And LaMelo, the big, the big ball family. <laughs> no, that's, that's fair. That's a good pick. No. I I kind of agree with you though. I'm not sure Charlotte takes this pick. Yeah, either this one that. or 13. I don't know if they take either. You I mean, so? if they if they could pack, I think if they could package a deal, they I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard about a Miles Turner package I think possibly. That makes a ton of sense for Charlotte. It by does. The way. No, yeah, I agree. It it does. Um, and I think it makes a ton of sense for Indiana too. So, in a way, um. How, well, how much would you need for Miles Turner? I guess is my question. Because I think I think I don't depends. think you need to trade both of them. You just yeah. probably just one, right? Yeah, it's probably just one, and it depends on the contract. Of, you know who they're gonna give up. I think if it's you know if they're giving up like Gordon Hayward, 
I mean, maybe he he'd go back home to Indiana. Hayward had Hayward, Hayward would have negative value though, bro. They'd have to give another first round yeah. pickup. No, I mean, yeah. So it'd probably be thirteen Hayward and you know maybe PJ Washington if they if they really like have their heart set on Eason, or if they want to move up to six or, or probably not move up to six, but. I think they're in a good spot regardless, though. Yeah. You know, if they make one of those trades for a, a starting now type of center, maybe John Collins by there, Clint Capella, that type of guy, yeah. too, mm-hmm. that, you know, that fits right now. But a guy like Jalen Duran, who Vinayak took at 13, I think makes a ton of sense. Like, he mm-hmm. he fits perfectly with what you need. They need a big guy. They need a shot blocker. They need a traditional big. They don't need anybody who can spread the floor. You already have that with LaMelo. You already have that with Terry Rozier, everybody on that team. I, Miles Bridges, maybe, you know. I think, yeah, no, I think it's a, a win for them just because they're a really young team. I think they might be one of the youngest teams in the league. They probably are. So I think they're in a great position where it's like you want to go out and get a seasoned vet, like go do it. Or you want to make this team younger, like go do it. I think they have the draft capital and also the flexibility with that because I do think LaMelo, I mean, LaMelo is going to be an all-star for a, yeah. a long time. So, yeah, just depends on whether or not he's going to stay in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Then before we end this episode, do you guys, because I know Vinayak alluded to it, do you have any players not in this top 15 that, and we'll probably talk about these guys after the draft too, Yeah. but do you have any players not in this top 15 that you think can turn into really good NBA players? Maybe not even really good, but maybe just a low-end starter, a really good role player. Vinay, I, I feel like you have a certain player in mind, maybe. Yeah, no. I, I just want to get some bold predictions just out the way. Number one, the Pistons trade Jeremy Grant, but it's going to be for the pick number 16 to Atlanta. It's going to be, they're not going to get a package that I think is going to entice a lot of fans, but... Do they get John Collins? No. Okay. I think it's like I was Bogdan. Say. I don't think Jeremy's value is as high as people make it out to be, but that, that's my prediction on that. But I was telling I was telling Aiden this as we were <laughs> getting into the... Uh, Getting into this little room we have here, I think Malachi Branham. Branham is a player that I'm pretty high on. I think I see kind of the all-star upside. I'm not gonna lie. Like I'm gonna go out and say, like I think he, the way he played Ohio State, his mid-range game is, is just nice. I really like that. Part and, of me, part of me has like a a Jarrett Culver kind of feel to him. There's, the, there's but there's, at the same time, I do like his upside a lot too. Yeah. And then I'll also say, um, I, I mentioned it before, Jaden Hardy. I think he gets a lot of. Uh, Gets, he gets a lot of crap for the... Uh, nah, fuck, I swear on this podcast. He gets a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> he, gets a, he gets a lot of shit for, you know, struggling in the G League. But, I mean, he's playing against grown men. And he showed a lot of growth, similar to Jalen Green, actually, towards the end of the season. He was a lot more efficient, a lot more efficient towards the end of the season. I think he was someone who was, like, top five on most people's boards, and now you're telling me he's, like, 20. I think whoever gets him is going to get a, a dog as well. Um, I have one more, but I don't know if, Aiden, if, you, have, if you have other players. I mean, you just go ahead. Let's keep going. Ty Ty Washington, Kentucky God. We already <laughs> said God. Aiden, if you want to talk about your time at the SEC tournament, you could mention that. But uh, <laughs> oh, why are you talking of... like that now? Tonight? No, but uh, I think <laughs> I think Ty Ty Washington is another Kentucky player who I think is he's he's going to be a guard who overachieves. I think his mid range game is impressive, and I think a lot of his problems in Kentucky were just the teammates around him. They just couldn't shoot. So. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree 100% with that. I will say I'm, one of the guys I'm about to say is another person I saw from the SEC tournament, Jalen Williams mm. from Arkansas, not from Santa Clara. 
I really like his game. He's like he's like you know six ten kind of guy, but he t- he took like the most charges last yep. year. He took yeah. he took like more charges than like a ton of teams. So he is. I think like he is a good defensive player. He's really smart in that sense. Um, I don't know if they'll give him that many calls in the NBA, but we'll see. And another person who I'm kind of high on, but I need to see more because, yeah, I haven't seen a ton, is Nikola Jovic. Oh, he's talking about the soccer player. No, I'm kidding. For real. <laughs> this is the same guy who predicted Herb Jones. So you guys yeah, gotta listen to Yeah, I did I did call the Herb Jones the Herb Jones thing. Go go watch listen to the tape. <laughs> listen to the tape. But yeah. Also another person I just kinda wanna give a quick shout out because I do think they will make the NBA is Musa Diabate. Yeah. Bro, you're stealing you just okay. said two of mine, man. Okay. <laughs> you go you go ahead. I'll stop. I'll shut up now. <laughs> no, I I was gonna say Jalen Williams also. He he reminds me of like a PJ Tucker type of guy in the NBA. Yeah. That you know he he's not going to be pretty man. He's not going to be a star. He's not going to make more than ten million dollars in a contract, like or, or a single year, I should say. But he's going to always be in the league, and he's going to be a guy that championship teams will want down the line, just because he's such a good defender. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Agree. If you watch any of Arkansas, Jalen Williams was so good defensively. So big, but he also has the versatility. And then, yeah, I was going to say Musa Diabate. I think he should get picked. It's unfortunate. I've been looking at a few mock drafts, drafts as of recently, and he wasn't on there in the second round. I think he should get picked. I think that he he's nowhere near his potential. Like It hasn't really been explored like that. But if he just gets good coaching, and this is why I thought he should come back, to Michigan, if he gets good coaching and just a little bit of time, like literally just a, another year or two, he will be a very good player in the long run. Maybe, or, And I don't even mean like a, a great starter, a turning an all-star, that type of guy. He could, maybe. He has that sort of potential with his frame. But I think he can, he can certainly carve out a role in the NBA. So I'm fully with you there. Yeah. But yeah, all right. That the darts. Will, that will the be point. the last bit of this podcast. Any last things, last predictions, last whatever you guys want to say? player, Justin Bean. What did he say? Remember that name. Blake Wesley. <laughs> yeah, we just... <laughs> Caleb Houston. We're just naming player. <laughs> Caleb Houston. Max Christie. Oh, boy. I want to see what where he goes. That's going to be fun. But no, no, really just excited for this draft. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was definitely a little bit more excited for the 2021 draft, but um, obviously obviously for obvious reasons. Yeah. But I kind of like, honestly, that draft was kind of boring because it was just like. There's more Con- uncertainty with this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like the fact we can have discussions and have like three different top one players, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's all good. This, this, is, this is a fun draft to cover and excited for Thursday. Excited for the Woj Bombs. Yeah. The Woj bombs, and let's see who 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 uh, tweets the first trade for Shams or Woj. Shams or Woj. Well, you want to take bets? <laughs> I got Woj. I got my money on Shams Tarani. He's I repping. He's repping the Asian community well. So, <laughs> oh. I will say now that we're in high definition, you say like and subscribe. Bro, that sounded nice. I'm not even gonna cap. <laughs> there we go. 
But yeah, that will do it then for this episode of the Three Rings Podcast. Thank you to everybody who has stayed listening to this point and to all our continued listeners. Per usual, check us out on the social media accounts, and we really appreciate all the support. Show this to another Pistons or NBA fan in general. We want to grow this and get bigger, and so, like I said, you know, we really appreciate all the support, and we'll see you next time on the Three Rings Podcast. Peace.